We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcasts. Coming at you Sunday night after the Timberwolves' fourth consecutive win tonight against the Houston Rockets. Final score, Wolves 141, Rockets 123. Tonight marks four wins in a row for the Wolves. Monday night, they beat the Clippers in LA. Wednesday, they beat the Thunder at home. Sunday, they go to OKC, beat the Thunder again. And tonight, they won on the road in Houston. I think we'll probably look back at this stretch here as a run of wins against pretty bad teams. But I think even acknowledging that, I think you have to feel as good about this stretch as you can, even given that context. Particularly in these last three games against the Thunder and the Rockets, the the Wolves were just dominant. If you watched tonight's game, it was clear Houston was just nowhere near the caliber of team that the Wolves are. And I know that should probably be expected. Houston has the third worst record in the NBA, but it really has been since the Jimmy Butler season where the Wolves have clearly distinguished themselves from the bottom teams in the league. I mean, if the Wolves beat a bottom feeder last year, it kind of felt like they won a coin flip. And if they beat a decent team, it felt like they kind of got lucky that night. As we sit here now, 40 games into this season, it feels very clear that the Wolves are a team that's above the riffraff and firmly in the playoff conversation, the real playoff conversation. Tonight in Houston, they were, again, not at full strength. Patrick Beverly missed his second consecutive game. And entering this game, I kind of thought back to some of the earlier games in the season that the Wolves played without Pat Bev. I remember, I just remember kind of getting this sense over, you know, Beverly's missed, I think, uh, what would it be, 12 games this season? And just going into those games that he's missed in the past, it just sort of felt like a long shot that the Wolves were going to be able to win those games. They just had clearly, this season, they've clearly missed his fire when he's not out there. I mean, Beverly missed that home game against Orlando early in November. They lost to the Magic at home that night by 18. The next game Beverly missed was when his his groin first started acting up. It was that game in Charlotte where the Wolves just kind of got smoked by the Hornets, which was that, that was the game after they just beat Miami when they were riding high. And then for them to just get beat bad by the Hornets, it just kind of made you feel like this team needs Patrick Beverly to compete. 
And obviously, Beverly is a critical part of this team, but these past two games have made it feel like the need for him isn't dire. You know, generally speaking this year, it's felt like the Wolves have needed, you know, two of the big three to get going in any game for them to win. You know, if more than one of Cat or D'Lo or Ant weren't going, <laughs> it felt like the last line of defense sort of was Beverly and Vanderbilt to sort of provide a spike. In these last two games, though, the Wolves haven't really had big three problems. You know, that's a credit to those three guys, but I think it's also a sign that they don't desperately need that Patrick Beverly safety net. They don't desperately need him to kind of light the pilot light. And that's big, you know, that can stop slippage, even if Beverly is going to miss some games this season. I mean, I I think we talk about the big three a lot with this team, but I kind of like to think of it, or I think we're getting to the point where you think of it as like a big four. There's Cat, Adilo, and Ant. They're the three. And then Pat, Bev, and Vando are an addition. They're the fourth. They're not a requirement. Tonight, Vanderbilt was way more than that. He was not just a spark. Uh, He's way more than just an energy guy. He had a career high in points with 21 and a career high in rebounds with 19. We've we've been talking about this, right? Like kind of almost expecting this sort of breakout from from Vanderbilt because we've seen him do more lately on offense, not just more of the things he's already good at, like offensive rebounding, but expanding his overall package. Offensively, Vanderbilt is showing he's more than just an offensive rebounder and kick it out guy. He's starting to be able to use a combination of moves on his touches. He's starting to be able to dictate more with his passing, and he's starting to become a real pick-and-roll threat. Here's Vanderbilt after the game explaining how expanding his game has been a plan that he and Chris Finch have begun to put together. Hey, Jared, uh, a lot of things, little things you do within the offense always make a big difference, but you're like more directly involved in the actions uh, of late. Uh, What does that mean to be more involved in D-low pick-and-rolls and other parts of the offense and just like, really have a direct impact on on the initial action of the play? Um, just being more involved, you know, uh, you know, just being a threat on that end, you know, having to make the defense have to guard me somehow. So, um, you know, that was kind of what taught me and Coach had and stuff like that, just ways I can get more involved and become more of a threat on the offensive end. And uh, or that's me screening, me, you know, getting the pick and rolls or slipping out and stuff like that. Um, you know, it just make it hard to guard and me putting pressure on that rim rolling every time, you know, uh, just opening up gaps for our shooters as well. So, yeah. Like in that starting five, you're pretty much the only rolling option. Like how much, as, maybe from a defensive perspective, like when there is a hard roller, how much pressure, when they can put the pressure on the rim that way, how much does that challenge defense? Uh, it challenges defense a lot. Because uh, like you've seen tonight, they have to pull over. And if they don't, you know, it's pretty much a, a dunk or a layup, you know, for me. But uh um, that's why I said, uh, rolling, being a hard roller is not also just, you know, get lobs and stuff like that. It's just to suck the defense in us. And, um, for the, uh, to get that corner three or, you know, a swing, swing pass. The usage and pick and roll from Vanderbilt is new. We saw it tonight against Houston, but even including tonight, Vanderbilt has only shot 18 times as a roll man this season. That's only one pick and roll shot every other game for him on the season. And I just wonder after seeing it tonight a little bit, if this couldn't become a bigger piece of his offensive pie going forward. The Wolves really only have one role threat on the roster and Nas Reed, you know, Cat rarely rolls on screen. So I think not just for Vanderbilt to boost his own individual offensive 
impact, but to boost the offense of the team as a whole, that being a role man for Vanderbilt is an area of that's kind of untapped on this team. You heard him mention that he and Coach Finch had talked about expanding ways for Vanderbilt to expand his offensive impact. And I remember a a few days ago, I talked to Chris Finch briefly after practice, and I asked him about some of this stuff we've been seeing with like combo moves from Vanderbilt. And Finch said that the two of them, they've kind of been working on a film study, looking, kind of searching for these ways to find ways to grow Vanderbilt's offensive impact. To make him... Right, it was beginning of the year was he was a guy that was being left open. He was actively hurting the spacing of the team, hurting all that. You know, obviously he's making up for it with the energy he was providing, the rebounds, the turnovers he was generating. But now I feel like we're getting to a point that he's a player that not only isn't going to hurt the Wolves, but he might be able to, on offense, start to be able to hurt opponents. We've talked on here recently about Vando starting to be a little bit more creative after he gets an offensive rebound. That's another way for him to expand his bag. We've seen him bring the ball up the floor after getting a defensive rebound. That's another way for him to expand his bag through a little bit more playmaking. I just think even with what Vanderbilt already is right now, and I think we all agree he's growing, you just can't understate the impact that he's had on this team this season. The Timberwolves are outscoring opponents by 9.9 points per 100 possessions with Vanderbilt on the floor this season. As Jim Pete mentioned on the broadcast, that is now the best net rating on this team. He passed D'Angelo Russell in being the most positively impactful player on the team in terms of, in terms of net rating. And if you look at the numbers, it's, it's actually because of the offense when Vanderbilt's on the floor. Overall, the Wolves are a 39th percentile offense on the season. With Vando on the floor, they're an 80th percentile offense in terms of points scored per possession. With Delo on the floor, they've actually been slightly better than when Vanderbilt is on in terms of defense. But the difference is that the Delo minutes have only been 68th percentile in offense. Remember, that's compared to 80th percentile for Vanderbilt. Like, yes, that's influenced by the Wolves getting more offensive rebounds when Vanderbilt is on the floor. Yes, they force more turnovers when Vanderbilt is on the floor, but the offense is just more efficient as a whole, just the shots they're taking. When Vanderbilt plays, the Wolves' effective field goal percentage this season is 53.9%. That's 73rd percentile. With Vanderbilt off the floor, the effective field goal percentage drops to 49.5%. That's 16th percentile. Like I said, we spent a lot of time earlier in the season talking about how Vanderbilt's lack of an ability to space the floor has been problematic for this team and that it allows the defense to double-team cat. And that's still true. It's just happening less frequently now because the Wolves are finding more ways to find Vanderbilt impact on offense and not just kind of be that sore thumb in the corner. Another adjustment and reason for offensive growth has been finding different ways to place Carl Anthony Towns on the floor. By Cat not exclusively placing himself on the block on offense, those sore thumb situations with Vanderbilt just kind of lingering in the corner, those are happening less often. The Wolves used Cat in a big array of ways tonight. He had a season-high 40 points, and the Rockets just had no answer for him. Here's Jared Vanderbilt after the game talking about Cat's dominance in this game. When Cat gets going right there, how much of that dictates the rest of the game? I mean, they take everything. You know, when Cats get going, uh, they started off trying to play him straight up. He forced a double team, opened up everything for everybody else. Um, you know, 
he was able to read the double team, make plays. Uh, D'Lo did a great job tonight, you know, getting guys involved and and uh, making the right plays. And like I said, it was just all around good team game. Is it because he's so versatile? Coach Silas said that, that they expect him to play a lot in close, but you all switched it up. He's playing a lot up top. Is it because he's so versatile that makes him so important to your team? Yeah, Cat Bags is, is just deep. Like, he's so versatile. He can play anywhere on the court. And uh, I think it's just hard to scout because, like, he can, he can do whatever. You know, he's popping, he's rolling, he's, um, you know, playing in the post, mid-post, elbow. You know, I mean, he's just a, he's a nightmare. Cat absolutely was a nightmare tonight. Like I said, 40 points in the win, nine boards, seven assists. I thought it was just nice to see a game where Cat shoots it 25 times. There's very few greedy cat games over the course of this over the course of this season. And I don't mean greedy in a you know a bad way. There've just been too many games this year where he's third on the team in shots taken. And that just hasn't made sense given how potent he can be as an offensive option. Tonight, six of his 25 shots were threes, and the other 19 shots came inside the arc. I mean, 19 is a lot of shots, but I think even more encouraging than the volume is about the array of the different shots he took within the arc. You look at his shot map tonight, and about a third of those shots are coming from the mid-post or just straight up from the mid-range. I think it's been a great tweak that Finch put in, kind of dating back to that uh, Nuggets game a month ago where they're, they're putting him at the nail. When he's there at the middle of the free throw line getting his catches, it's just really hard for a team to functionally double-team him from that place, and he doesn't lose potency from there. Like, yes, in theory, a square up and shoot from the mid-range isn't going to be as high percentage of a shot from the block will be for Cat, but the difference is there's no double team there. Whatever you sacrifice in shot quality from the nail, you make up for with there not being a double team, and no double team means he he can just shoot it, right? And no double team means he doesn't have to force a pass, and him not having to force a pass lowers the likelihood that Cat's going to turn it over. It's becoming one of his best spots on the floor. And the mid-range look, again, it's just it's just not a bad look for Cat. He's made 70 or 47% of his mid-range shots this season, according to cleaning, gla- cleaning the Glass, that's good for 85th percentile in the NBA. And I personally think the more you use him there, the more comfortable he gets, the more often those shots are going to fall. Again, Cat's biggest night of the season tonight, scoring. He had 40. He's only had 40 in a game twice over the past two seasons. It was a big night for him. All right, we're going to take a quick break here and come back with a few other notes from tonight's game. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we are back discussing the Wolves' 18-point win in Houston on Sunday night. They scored 141 points tonight. It was the second consecutive game that they were over 100 by the end of the third quarter. We are just kind of starting to see this offense hum a little bit lately. Like, yes, we do acknowledge that these last two games were against the Thunder and the Rockets, but still, for a team that's really struggled overall offensively this season, this recent uptake, uptick since Cat and D'Lo have gotten back, it, it is encouraging. They've been a bottom 10 offense for the entirety of the season, but over these past two weeks, They're starting to get up there. They're starting to be at a league average level in terms of offensive efficiency, and I think that's a good first step. The ball is starting to move more. It's starting to move earlier, and I think if this is going to continue to grow or if an offensive leap is coming for this team, that this is where Chris Finch envisions it starting. When when this offense, if this offense is going to make a leap in the second half of the season, where where do you think that's going to be? Well, I think it's going to be... I think there's we're doing a better job in transition. Like tonight, we had 31 points in transition, but the, you know we we can do a little bit better job in transition. I think we can, uh, you know, our shot making still got to get better. Um, you know, we got guys that I think can shoot the ball better across the board. Uh, we're generating good shots still. It, it's it, it's inconsistent. Feels a little bit better than you know over the long haul, but um, and then. Um, yeah, just, you know, I think our ball movement is really good right now. I think our player movement is really good right now. Those are things that had been consistently there. So I think next is just the shot making that comes on the back of that. It was interesting before tonight's game when we were talking to Finch. He described how he felt that the guys who are out with COVID witnessed better ball movement over that Jalen Noel and Greg Monroe stretch of time where they were so shorthanded, you know, the, where the Wolves just didn't really have those individual shot creators. And that play, that run of game sort of served as served as an example of what things look like when this ball movement offense is working. Where the, it kind of reminds me of the first Saunders season where, remember, Cat got hurt that 2018-19 season where Cat got hurt and he missed like 15 straight games kind of toward them. It's kind of around this chunk of the season, actually. And so Cat's out for those 15 games and Gorgie Jang starts starting in his place. And over that month-long stretch with Gorgie at center and Rocco out there at the four, the Wolves, for that month, they were a top-five defense. Cap being out and Gorgie man in the middle kind of painted the picture for how that solid-is-enough defense was supposed to work. That was what Saunders and David Vanderpool's vision for this defense was. 
how they executed it that month, that month without cat. And it's weird to say when it's names like Greg Monroe and Jalen Noel, but I think it's somewhat fair to say that over these few weeks without Ant and then without Cat and D'Lo that we saw a little bit more of what Finch's actual vision for this offense looks like. The biggest thing I'm now noticing since those guys have returned is that they're being more decisive with the ball. It almost looks like more strict play calls out there. I asked Finch about that a few days ago. I'm like, are you, you know, are you, are you calling more play sets? And he said, it wasn't, it isn't more play calls, but it's just this idea that more decisiveness off the catch kind of leads to the aesthetic of more structure. And I think, I think there's been power in that. I think this team, if it doesn't need specific guidelines, it, it, it needs to kind of play within them naturally. And over these past two games, like particularly, I think we've seen that. And the one player really stood up to me with was Ant, you know, I, he shot it really well from three last game. He made some more threes tonight, but it's the possessions where he isn't shooting the three that stood out to me. He'd, he'd catch it, cleared out one side, ripped through, and immediately attack. No dilly-dallying. And the, with the force he has attacking, dis, doing that decisively, that can be potent. Decisiveness is powerful for Cat, too. You know, don't wait for the double. Go right away. Decisiveness for D'Lo in the pick and roll. Don't wait for the trap to come. Attack the pocket. Hit the rollers who are being decisive on their rolls. I think that's the ideal identity of this offense. I think that's Chris Finch's vision. An offense defined by its decisiveness and an offense that it feels like opposing defenses are scrambling to kind of catch up to. I think we're starting to see that from the Timberwolves lately, and I'm I'm curious to see if they can make it a trend. When Cat returned from his injury that season and Gorgie went back to the bench, they did not maintain the defensive identity they developed in Cat's absence. The question for this team is whether or not they can maintain this offensive identity. And I think that will determine their upside, ultimately. I just want to hit on a few other notes here from the box score tonight. I just think there were three sneaky good sort of performances from the Wolves off the bench tonight. I thought Jalen Noel continued along his recent path of being that spark plug bucket for them. Noel had 11 points, but particularly he he attacked the basket. He made five of his six shots from two-point range. Again, decisively attacking the basket. I actually thought Malik Beasley also fit in a little more seamlessly tonight. Uh, I, I don't think he played well defensively, particularly in the first half, but offensively, I thought he played that role that they want him to play. He made three of his seven three-point attempts tonight. Again, I, there's certainly some Beasley fatigue there, but he is he plays a critical role on this team in games even like tonight, you know, where he is making a few of those shots, that makes a difference. And then just, you know, shout out Josh Okoge. Uh, with Patrick Beverly out of the lineup these past two games, Okoge has been in the rotation. And I thought particularly in the first half tonight when the game was really more in the balance, I think we really felt Okoge's defense. I, I thought it was excellent. On the ball, he really can be a special defender with. I think we all know that, but the images of that happening are becoming fewer and further between with, you know, Okoge just rarely playing anymore. I do want to note, even though it's, not a substantial pile of minutes this season for Kogi, but but Josh does rank fifth in the entire NBA in defensive, effective, plus-minus this season, which is pretty much the most respected individual defensive metric that the NBA has. The only players that are above Kogi in defensive EPM are Draymond Green, Gary Payton II, Jared Vanderbilt, and Evan Mobley. That's, that's a pretty impressive company. I don't think Kogi has a consistent spot in this rotation when they're back at full strength. 
But I think we also all know that full strength is kind of a pipe dream at this time of the season. Guys are going to miss games. And if Akogi can be the player he was in these last two games, I, I think that's a guy that, you know, can be a nice piece to plug in there and, and, and sort of low-key help this team. All right, let's, la- let's uh, wrap tonight on my prize picks. I made four picks tonight, got two right, one wrong, and I pushed on one. Uh, the one pick I felt uh, really good about was D'Angelo Russell going over 18 and a half points tonight. Just sort of riding his hot hand from the last game. I think we kind of know this with D'Lo. Like he has a tendency to kind of extend it. Uh, D'Lo finished tonight with 22 points. He was 5 of 9 from 3. 3 of 5 from 2. It was just more off- efficient offense from him. Kind of carrying on from what he did against the Thunder on Friday night. Uh, the other pick I got right was under 14 and a half points for Kevin Porter Jr. I just think Jared Vanderbilt is becoming a defensive wing stopper. So that was part of my motivation in taking the under on Porter tonight. To be fair, it wasn't all Vando on him. Uh, Jaden McDaniels actually took that matchup initially because McDaniels started in Beverly's place. But just kind of the combination for any wing who's playing the Wolves right now of being, you know, they're going to be capably guarded by two different guys who are both 6'9 in Vanderbilt or McDaniels, even once Beverly comes back. And tonight, I thought that really stalled out Porter Jr. He finished the night with only nine points. The one pick I got wrong was Christian Wood not going over on three free throws made. I, I don't know. Logic Darius Cat had kind of been fouling a lot lately. I thought that's who Houston would really be running their offensive through their offense through. Wood did get did get to the line four times, but he only made two of his four free throws, so he missed that one. And the one I pushed on was three made free throws by Anthony Edwards. He made exactly three. I was hoping. Tonight, we get a little bit more of downhill ant against a Houston team that doesn't really have a rim protector. We've been seeing a lot of the three-point shooting lately. We know with ant, it's about, you know, it's about having both. But tonight was more so Cat's show. Ant was picking and choosing his spots. He did finish with 19 points and six assists, though. Uh, Ant's assist totals have been up lately. So overall, that's two one and one on the night. Gets me to 74, 70, and six on these prize picks on the year. Got a bunch of Wolves games and NBA games for you to get involved with this week on prize picks. If you want to give this daily fantasy thing a try, or maybe your fantasy football season is over and you still want to play some daily fantasy football, prize picks has that as, a, as an option as well. You just got to download the prize picks app, get a friend to download it with you, make an account. When you do make an account, using the promo code Dane will get you an extra $100 in your account when you start. That's all I got for you tonight. We are one game away from the halfway point of the season, and the Wolves are now exactly 20 and 20 on the year. Obviously, some good momentum over these last four wins. But as always, it's going to be about continuing it. Can they be a consistent team? It's in New Orleans on Tuesday, then off to Memphis on Thursday and back home for Andrew Wiggins and the Warriors on Sunday night. That's the week ahead as the Wolves sort of cross over into the second half of this season. I'll be back to talk to you after a New Orleans game on Tuesday night. Until then, I'm Dane. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stops, yeah. Green and hot so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah. Hope you dancing like nobody else around, yeah.